Hello and welcome to Small Batches. I'm your host, Adam Hawkins. In each episode, I share a small batch of software delivery education aiming to help you find flow, feedback, and learning in your own daily work. Topics include DevOps, Lean, continuous delivery, and conversations with industry leaders. Now, let's begin today's episode. I've said before on this podcast that test-driven development is skill zero for professional software engineers, and I mean that sincerely. Skill zero teaches how to write code. Skill one for professional software engineers is constructing deployment pipelines. Skill one teaches how to ship code. You need both to sustain software development over time. A deployment pipeline defines releasability and is the only path to production. Commits go in one end and releasable outcomes come out the other. The deployment pipeline is the standard and repeatable route from commit to production. Everything, and I mean everything, that constitutes releasability is within the scope of the deployment pipeline. Releasability is a moving target. In the early days of the project, it may be enough to simply run the unit tests. As a project grows, then perhaps integration tests are required, and then acceptance tests in a pre-production environment, or even compliance and automated static analysis, and even performance testing. The point is that the pipeline tests releasability to the degree that it matters. If the pipeline says good to go, then you should be comfortable releasing the code. No extra work, integration tests, sign-off, or pre-production, whatever. If you're not comfortable releasing the code, then something is missing from the pipeline. That's your signal to add more fitness functions to the pipeline. Deployment pipelines contain four stages. Stage one, the commit stage. Developers commit new code and undertake fast, lightweight, and technical tests to get fast feedback and a high level of confidence that the code works. Aim for five minutes or faster. Stage two, the artifact stage. If the commit stage passes, then produce a deployable artifact such as a Docker image or binary and push it to the artifact repository. This stage produces the release candidate. Stage three, acceptance tests. Deploy the release candidate to a production-like environment and evaluate it from a user's perspective using automated tests. Stage four, the ability to release to production. If the release candidate passes stage three, then engineers may opt to release the change. Build the button that releases the change. Now I'll walk through a basic deployment pipeline. Remember that these stages are not hard requirements, just guidelines, but the aim is always the same. Turn commits into releasable outcomes. We can use the links between stages and a bit of lean thinking to construct the pipeline. Stage zero is the pre-commit stage. This happens on the developer's machine. This phase aims to reject commits that could not pass the commit stage. The minimum viable pre-commit stage is static verification of configuration files needed in the subsequent stages. For example, most CI providers include a CLI tool that can validate a build configuration file. Run that command in the pre-commit hook to reject commits that could never progress through the pipeline. Why push a commit with broken configuration files? That's just waste, so avoid that. Instead, provide fast feedback to developers when problems are detected. Now push the commits to SCM at the end of the iteration, and that kicks off the commit stage. The commit stage happens in your build system, such as BuildKite, CircleCI, or GitHub Actions. 
Every code push goes through this stage. Include as many tests as necessary for releasability. Also include tests for non-functional requirements like code formatting and compliance. Remember that releasability is a subjective bar. Decide the degree to which releasability matters and test to it. If all the checks pass, then build the artifacts. The artifact stage also happens in the build system. Be sure to verify the artifact before pushing to the artifact repository. For example, if you're building a Docker image, then try to start a container using some sort of dry run mode. Again, the point is to check the results of the current stage before proceeding to subsequent stages. The acceptance test stage happens in a production-like environment. Let's assume you're deploying the app to Kubernetes. Deploy the app to a production-like cluster, and then run an acceptance test. The minimum viable acceptance test may be as simple as a curl command that checks a 200 OK. The final stage is likely a repurposing of part of the previous stage. The previous stage requires deploying to a production-like environment. So take what's there and modify it, or better yet, parameterize it to go to the production environment. Once the code is running in production, then observe production telemetry to verify things work as expected. Use the telemetry to inform future commits, thus kicking off new runs through the pipeline. In this way, the pipeline acts as a learning engine for the entire team. It's the way to get fast feedback from production, and then assuming code has necessary telemetry, unlock the learnings from production. The learning is not limited to code either. The pipeline provides a way for teams to quickly experiment and learn about their customers and businesses while maintaining a quality bar at the same time. This type of thinking leads to continuous delivery, which means keeping code in an always releasable state and then iterating forward in small batches. Deployment pipelines themselves are necessary but not sufficient for continuous delivery. You'll need continuous integration and trunk-based development too. Each of these reinforces the other. Continuous integration verifies each change with automated tests. If a change breaks the build, then halt and fix the problem. Trunk-based development keeps teams working in small batches because commits must quickly land in trunk or master. These processes feed the deployment pipeline. Combining all three creates the minimum viable continuous delivery setup. All right, that's all for this batch. There is much more to say about deployment pipelines but I'll defer to my esteemed colleague, Dave Farley, for that. I've actually interviewed Dave on this podcast to discuss pipelines and continuous delivery. That was about over a year ago, but more recently, I published a small batches episode on his latest book, Modern Software Engineering. Great book, by the way, highly recommended. Find links to both of these episodes and a link to the Minimum Continuous Delivery Manifesto at smallbatch.fm 70. One of these days, I will do a bonus episode walking through my own deployment pipelines. Well, I hope to have you back again for the next episode. Until then, happy shipping. Now, here's something extra for listening through to the end. I wanted to include more in the main episode, but I cut it to keep the batch size down. Then I figured, well, if you're willing to listen to the whole thing, then perhaps you want to hear this too. People have asked me when I will do an episode about TDD. It will come, I assure you. Until then, here's some of my thoughts on why I consider TDD skill zero for professional software engineers. I mean it when I say it, and I mean it to be provocative. TDD is damn important because one cannot hope to achieve any real higher level of performance in this profession 
without learning its lessons. Yes, there are plenty of software engineers being paid to write code, let alone code without even tests or even using TDD, but that's not me. I shudder to just think about it. More so, I shudder to think about what happens after that code goes through code review or enters production and continues to live on. It's a completely unpredictable process with no quality bar. Talk about variation. Anyway, I follow a simple but not easy process for all of my software projects. Step one, establish TDD. Step two, construct a continuous deployment pipeline. Step three, iterate. If code passes the pipeline but results in a production defect, then add tests or update the checks in the pipeline. Iterate, iterate, iterate. I don't have any dev or staging environments. I begin with a strong enough test suite such that we're doing continuous deployment to production from T0. Add intermediate environments only when necessary. Avoid dev environments for anything other than GUIs. This type of workflow is only possible with TDD. All right, that's really all for now. See ya.